0: So we're going to get into sales leadership, which is a really interesting topic. I mean, on this podcast, we talk a lot about outbound. We talk about things for reps, especially, but um, I'm really excited for this conversation because as our guest is going to talk about as well, uh, the sales leaders, they don't really get a lot of training and a lot of love when it comes to how to do their job and how to do it more effectively. Um, But if this is your first time listening to the podcast, my name is Jason Bay. Welcome to Blissful Prospecting. Uh, In this podcast what I love having uh, conversations around with top reps, sales leaders, and other experts is how to turn complete strangers into paying customers. So today we're talking about modern sales SaaS leadership. We're talking to Kevin Dorsey. He's consultant and advisor at Winning by Design and host of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. Kevin, it's uh, our KD, I should call you. It's good to be on the other side of the mic, man. I've been on your show. It's good to have you on.
1: Hell yeah, man. Long time coming and goodness always follows us connecting. So this, this should be
0: a good one. I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah. So I want to, before we kind of get into it, can you take me back to your first job as a sales leader? I think it was, if I did my research correctly, was it as a sales manager at Snack Nation? Was that your first sort of leadership position?
1: It was not. So, going even further back, so my okay. first true, like, leadership, like sales leadership position, I was actually running personal training studios in LA. Oh, so okay. I had a large team of trainers under me there that I did a lot of sales with. Then that was the first team that I led on like selling personal training packages. So, that was that was the first,
0: first one. Wow. So, how did you learn about how to manage salespeople? Did you? just learn by doing? Were there, did you have a mentor? Like, how did you, how did you learn how to do this?
1: So really, you know, I had an early mentor around sales and mindset, but not really around management. And so really management and leadership was a lot of learning and like a lot of reading, a lot of reading. So like early on, right? Like I was reading anything I could find on sales leadership and that helped me get the foundation. Right. So I was getting like, you know, the John Maxwell stuff, but then, you know, as my career progressed, obviously Robert's book, Dave Brock's book, Jason Jordan's book, right? Like anything I could find on sales leadership, actually behind me I have a lot of like the old school ones, accidental sales leadership, sales management, the sales manager, what's that one called guide to greatness. Right. Like, so I was reading everything I could, to try to apply it. So I didn't really have much of a mentor, mentor for sales leadership early on. I got more mentors a little bit later in my career. Um, but early on, it was just reading books and trying to apply it.
0: What part of the job did you struggle with most at first?
1: God, all of it. Um, So I struggled with the same part of the job every leader struggles with, which is people. Yeah, People are the hardest part of, of leadership because people are hard. Right. So like, how do you motivate people? How do you hold people accountable? How do you train people? How do you deal with the emotions of people? Right. I definitely very early on the probably the biggest mistake and we might get into this a little bit is like thinking that people would work like me or trying to turn people into me was definitely one of my early uh, sales leadership mistakes of, you know, one of the phrases that I said with my managers all the time, and y'all could ping them, you could ask them, you could double check on this, and they'd be able to say this right back to you. We said this at least once a month, if not once a day. I am not you. You are not me. We are not them. They are not us. That's a constant reminder of like, you, you can't turn your people into you. It doesn't work that way. So that was definitely some of the early like struggles, but like people are hard, man. Leading people is really, really hard, and it's a struggle no matter what level
0: you get to. Yeah. I want to double click on that. You know, these folks are not me piece because my first sales management job was 2009. I'm a sales manager in college, like leading college kids, teaching them how to do sales, like selling house paying services, mm-hmm. you know, and most of You're these. A college painter alum? Yeah. Yep. I, I, yeah. I know that. All right. Very yeah. cool. So we actually have really good management training mm-hmm. and good sales training there. Um, but one of the things they kept hounding on as a first-time sales manager is they had these like laws or whatever of sales management. One of them was your biggest strengths as a salesperson are going to be your team's biggest weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know what that meant because as a salesperson, I mean, dude, I sold a hundred thousand dollars of paint jobs in the summer, and made like thirty grand over the summer. I was like, it came pretty naturally to me. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. sales leadership that did not dude like <laughs> that part did not it was really really hard and i noticed all the things i would do intuitively like you know build rapport with someone it seems like a really obvious thing to do you know um mm-hmm. asking for the sale not being afraid to get it i was just like yeah why wouldn't you do that and my team just really struggled with all of those things can can we like zoom in on that part mm-hmm. a little bit like in the work that you've done and and the people that you're working with and having done this a lot yourself Like, how do you coach people around like their blind spots as a leader and being aware of things that come really naturally to them that they would expect their teams to do, but they really need to hyper focus on?
1: Yeah. So I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there, right? So like, how? Where do you want me to go first? Like, how I coach my managers on their blind spots, or how I coach my managers to develop their people? Because there's kind of a couple layers to to that question there.
0: Yeah. Let's unpack that first part.
1: OK, so, you know, if I think about how like helping the managers see their blind spots. Right. So what's interesting is the yeah, same. And this is why I love this is because like I, I'm a practitioner. I'm not a, a guru. I'm not a thought leader. Like I actually do this stuff. And so you'll probably hear me say it multiple times. I'm like you could ask my managers like you could ask them because everything I'm saying right now is like from it. We had a phrase um, across the team. Uh, we had a lot of phrases, but one was WWKDA. WWKDA, which stood for what would KD ask? Not what would KD do, what would KD ask? And so the way I would really coach my managers on blind spots was through asking questions. Mm -hmm. Have you considered this? How do you know that? Volume versus volume was always a big one. Is this high volume in terms of noise or high volume in terms of frequency? Those are two totally different things. Is this a one-time loud thing or is this an everyday squeaky wheel thing, right? So volume versus volume. Have you measured it? Have you coached it, right? And so the key, right, is you cannot make your people you, but you can document your behaviors and try to coach them to the behaviors, right? So like if you were a rep on my team and you're my top closer, I'm not going to go say, hey, do what Jay bay does. Go do what Jay bay does. I'm going to study you and figure out what it is you do. And then I'm going to bring coaching and training around those behaviors. Because when you coach to the behavior, you can put your own nuance on it, right? Here's how he asks for the sale. This is why we believe it works. What would your version of this be? Right. But so often managers, they don't actually coach. They tell. And that's a big difference. And so back to the kind of the original questions around blind spots, same idea. I'm asking them questions to expose it, but also I'm doing things to get ahead of it because I've made Mm -hmm. these mistakes. So I'm role playing with them. I'll be the rep. I will be the rep and put them in a situation. I'm, I have low morale. I'm upset. My dials are low, whatever else, and coach them on how well they handle that situation so they can get ahead of their blind spots, right? So Because we all have blind spots. The only way something gets, is, gets out of the blind spot zone is you got to miss it once. Once you've missed it once, you're like, ah, okay, I'm not going to miss that again. So many of the things I help them spot are the same mistakes I made, but I do it yeah. through questions, right, and asking the right questions to get them on track
0: a lot of those questions sound like a very Socratic method style. Like how do you ask some of these questions to, I mean, you can't put completely remove your own bias, obviously, mm-hmm. but to look at it more objectively, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, um, I love that. Like giving people a set of questions to ask themselves and to like, really think about, um, super powerful. The volume versus volume thing I think is really interesting.
1: Yeah. Like that, that that one, like a lot of people have taken that one since because it's catchy, because it makes sense. Because uh, reps do this all the time too. They're like, oh, this happens all the time. And so then a manager will bring it to me, like, yo, this is happening all the time. And I'll say volume Mm -hmm. versus volume. Volume versus volume. And very often the manager will have to be like, I don't know. Yeah. Go find out. Come back to me. Right. Like, so the volume versus volume, because oftentimes we spend the time on the wrong volume. We spend time on the loud volume, not on the high frequency volume. Is it happening often? That's the problem I want to solve. Betty's upset with Jenny because Jenny took a lead from her territory. She's like, Jenny always does this. It's happened once a quarter. Like, yeah, it sucks. I don't care. Like That's not where we need to be spending our time. So volume versus volume. Is it just loud or is it happening often?
0: Yeah. I deal with this. I dealt with it today, actually, in a training call with a group of reps where you always have the one or two people that are like, I tried that and it didn't work. Because they don't say not interested. Um, They say they're not interested because they're about to go into a meeting. And you never talked about how to handle that specific. You know, I'm like, oh, God. It is. just.
1: It's hilarious. It's hilarious to me. And like we you know, we don't have time to get into some of the mindset training around reps, but that is. Yeah. Uh, that's one of them. Like it's like I had a, a rep was like, what's the data behind this? And I said, the only data that should matter to you is you booked two meetings last month. Yeah. Like <laughs> what are you talking about right now? Okay. Like I'm not here to like to so to lean on you or to flex on you. But like, look, you yeah. booked two meetings last month. I'm trying to teach you something that I've seen work across thousands of reps. Yeah. What are we talking about right now? You know, but it is, it's helping managers in general. And a lot of the issues managers have, I blame on the VPs because they don't coach them. They don't train them, but also they don't help them prioritize. And a lot of my time with yep. my yeah. managers was making sure they were focused on the right things. Focus yeah. on the right things with their time, or they just focus on all the things, and then nothing gets done
0: well. Yeah, that was right. what I was going to ask you next: was uh, prioritizing and really kind of diagnosing. You know, how do you think about as a working with your sales managers, helping them diagnose the right problems to work with the individual reps on, and if you could to get, you know, is it both macro thinking? like, Hey, my sales team and where we're having the most problems, is it individual? I'm assuming it's a combination of the two, but how do you think about diagnosing and feel free to get as tactical as you'd like around specific things and what you would look for and how numbers and stats sort of play into that and all that kind of thing. Let's go. So like,
1: that's, that's the way I ran my, my orgs, right? So what my managers reported up to me, what my managers reported up to me on a weekly basis was their team results, their team drivers, Right. So, like the drivers are like the key metrics behind it. Like, so say it's a closing team, revenue is the result. The drivers are close rate, close, you know, um, ACV, deal cycle, pipeline volume in terms of number of deals, pipeline volume in terms of, sorry, value in terms of the dollar amount of the deals. Right. SDR side, same idea, number of opportunities like run, connect rate, conversion rate, show rate, activity, dials, email response rate. So they reported that up from their team. And then right underneath that was, what is the number one metric you're focused on for your team and what's the plan for it. But then under that was in the individual results. So I've got KD, his meetings, show rate, connect rate, conversion rate, call volume, email volume, response rate. And now that's all in one place. And same idea, per rep, what's the number one metric you're focused on for KD? It's his show rate. What's your number one metric you're focused on with Peter? It's his, you know, connect rate. And so my job as leaders is to make sure they're focused on the right metric. So very often, this would happen all the time, even with managers that worked with me for years. Like, hey, what's the number one metric for for Bay? And so, so, you know, what, really focus on his show rate. His show rate's 50% right now. Got to get that up to, you know, 75%. I go, okay. Now, he booked three meetings. Is show rate really the problem? Like, okay, three meetings stays consistent. They go from 50% to 70%. They still finishing it too. Yeah. The problem is not show rate. The problem is either in the activity connect rate or conversion rate. And so it's making sure they're focused on the right things there. So those were our one-on-ones is number one metric for the team. What's your plan to fix it? Number one metric per rep. What's your plan to fix it? And that's where we focused our time was making sure it was on the right metric and that the coaching plan made sense, which then we'll go another layer deeper here. Like, okay, I'm working with Jason on his conversion rate. Coaching plan is we're going to do five call reviews this week and one role play session on Friday. My response back to that would probably be, okay, you've identified its conversion rate. What's wrong with the call? So by the way, I have a fully documented issue diagnosis checklist. If conversion rate is the problem, these are the things you look for. Yeah, Fully documented. Conversion rate is the problem. First thing, tone. Second thing. Quality of questions, third thing, who are they calling? Fourth thing, consistent objection, fit like fully documented. So the manager and the rep can work on this, right? Like, hey, Jason, we're we'll gonna be working on conversion rate. What do you think is happening from this checklist? Right? So now I know it's okay, we're not getting through the intro. But I don't want you spending three hours doing call reviews and 20 minutes of practice. I want you doing three hours of practice and 20 minutes of call review. So again, now my job as the leader is saying, is the plan good to improve the metric, right? So I'll pause there for a second. I'm throwing a lot at you, but that was top down. Result, key drivers behind it. Number one driver plan. Rep, number one metric per rep. Plan to improve it and then tracking progress over time.
0: So yeah, there's a lot of ways they could take this. I love the detail. So do you have... Would the managers, if we were to get kind of granular here, do they bring all of this to you on a Word doc or a spreadsheet or some sort of tracker? Are they pulling stuff off of the CRM into a place that's a little more malleable for you guys to go through that? What does that kind of prep do you have them do beforehand and what kind of format does that get presented?
1: So bottoms up, my man, every rep one-on-one, fully documented. you have a structure, it's in a Google doc, they fill it out before their one-on-one. Because by the way, the reps are also reporting these metrics up. Yeah. I'm not yeah. telling you what your close rate
0: is. You're telling me what your close rate is. Can you right? double click on that? Like, I think the why there is super important. Like, why are you having them pull their own stats? So
1: First of all, because it's their job. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It's your job. It's your job. It's your results. It's your career. It's your income. It's your goals. So I want to make sure that you are aware of the key drivers. The second is there's far more accountability and ownership there. If I tell you your close rate is 30%, you're like, whatever. Like, cool, whatever, Katie. Like Let me go. But if you have to say, yeah, my close rate's at 12% right now and I'm 30% to goal, there's a different type of ownership there, right? So the reps are reporting their metrics up to the manager. And this is the key to this, Right. It's not to let the manager know what they are. The manager knows what they are because they have a dashboard too. It's to make sure that the rep understands what they are. But then the managers are doing the same for me. So I have a one-on-one doc for my managers and their reps are all there. And where do you think all their reps' names hyperlink out to?
0: Yeah, all their individual documents.
1: rep one-on-one doc. So I have access to everybody's one-on-one doc if I want to double-click in. But then same idea, that's structured. And I'm tracking it week to week, so it's just one one page. They fill it out by the time they finish it. Fill it out it took 30 minutes to fill out. Normally, this was not a hard exercise because it's bubbling up what they've already done in all their one on ones. 30, 40 minutes to fill that out for the whole team. But then week by week, we just copy a new one up, fill it out. So I have the running list as well, so I can go back and look at what did we talk about last month. How was Jenny trending last month? Jenny was at 20% conversion rate last month. She's at 40 now. What did you do? This is amazing, right? So it's all tracked, right? So I used a Google Doc, but there's cool tools out there. Like Lattice does a good job of this. Ambition does a good job of this. Um, 15.5, actually, you could configure a little bit to do it, but you just have to have it documented somewhere and prepped ahead of time.
0: Yeah, I think that I always call this connecting the dots. You know, a, a, would you have at the, on a Monday when I'm able to look at and say, "Hey, this manager is focused on this one thing with this one rep," you're able to kind of look at all the individual interactions that they have with that rep too. And I think as a manager, because you said one thing, I think that's so important. Where it's like, okay, I'm trying to, um, let's say, I'm trying to increase the uh, connect to uh, demo set ratio, you know, on cold calls. It's like now knowing that's the one thing that I need to work on. Every interaction I have with this rep is focused around that one thing. And I know that sounds really simple and straightforward. And it is simple, actually. But I, I find that the... And I'm curious of your thoughts. The coaching is usually so disconnected. It's like you talk about one thing on a Monday and you just never talk about it again. And then a month goes by and you're like, Oh, what happened? Like you guys are fanatical about like one thing... Let's make sure that we focus on this again and again and again. And we know anecdotally, too, that when a result increases, we have the documentation to know, I do this in my business. You know what I mean? When I have a good week with something, I'm like, I, I took track of all the things that I was implementing because you can't really... like Your CRM or your staff, it's not going to tie all of those things together for you. You know what I mean? But how do you... like like The one thing piece and the connecting the dots, can you talk more about Like that one thing, how that gets, you know, kind of permeated, I guess, if that's the right word, like through the interactions that they would have with that rep, like throughout the week, throughout the month, like there's just a relentless focus, it sounds like on those things.
1: Well, it it actually becomes very easy to do when you're focused on one thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then again, like my job, and like I had directors under me that also, you know, the managers, same thing. I'm asking them the same questions I expect them to ask their managers. Like, okay, so what is Jesse focused on with his team? What are those coaching plans looking like? Are they working? That was the other big question we ask all the time. I-I-W, IIW, is it working? Is it working? Right. Like, oh, yeah. Like I've been role playing with him. We've been meeting, we've been doing the call reviews, da, 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 da. It's like, is it working? Well, no. Well, then we need to change something, right? Because quarterly we had what was called the BPS. So the BPS stood for behavior process skill. So every quarter you were picking that one metric generally for the rep. And then I had a scoring system. Was it behavioral, right? So was his close rate bad because of behaviors, meaning not doing the right things? Was it process? And the process was actually more for us, Do we have good training in place for this? Do we have coaching for this? Is it documented? Do we have examples of what good looks like? When's the last time we trained on this? So is it a process issue? Or the S, skill. The behavior is there. The process is there. They're just not good at it yet. That helped it even narrow even further of like, okay, for Jason, it's close rate. Why is it close rate? It's behavioral. He's just not asking for the sale. Do we have a good process for that? Yes, we have documentation. We have what good looks like. We have the best practice library. We've got recorded trainings. All right, so I'm focusing on the behavior for him across the quarter to improve the behavior, to improve the metric, to improve the result, right? So the big theme for a lot of my teams and leadership is this idea of aim small, miss small. You can't tell someone to improve a result. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. All it took was to tell someone to improve the results. We wouldn't be needed, my friend. <laughs> you could walk into every single company and go, okay, y'all, you ready for this? Book more meetings. Yeah. I'm like What? <laughs> I, we wouldn't be needed. Book more meetings doesn't do anything for anybody. Yeah. Book more meetings. What metric is it? is it? Activity? Is it connect rate? Well, yeah, we're just not connecting with anybody. Okay. Why are we not connecting with anybody? Is it data? Is it who we're calling? When we're calling? What are the call dispositions for that? Are we even making the calls at the right time? Oh, we're not making calls at the right time. That's behavioral. Okay. Behavior plan for the next 90 days is we're going to do call blocks from this time to this time. So we can actually drive the results we're looking for. Right. And that gives so much, it gives so much confidence and clarity to a rep of like, oh, yeah. now I know what to do to actually improve my results. Right. So just maniacal man on like one thing yeah. at a time to improve it. And it makes a huge difference.
0: Yeah. Not to mention, you know, I think that the often overlooked part is just staying motivated, like mentally, you know, one thing and like a domino effect, making progress. It's so much easier to be motivated and excited about improving one thing at a time than to have like three, four, five different things that I'm trying to work on. You know what I mean? It just becomes really overwhelming at that point.
1: And quick um, on, real quick note yeah. on this too, because when you focus on like the behavior process or skill, it's also faster to tell the rep they're improving. Because yeah. generally speaking, if you're only looking at results, it takes a while to see the results change. I can tell you tomorrow if you sounded better on your calls. I can tell you tomorrow if your process was better. I can tell you tomorrow if you're using the call scorecard and doing better disco. So it actually allows for better like feedback loop like, yo, now the behavior is the leading indicator to the metric. I can tell within a week if you're improving in the areas that I want you to improve, not the metric, the behaviors, right? To change a result, you have to change a metric. To change a metric, you have to change a behavior. It's that simple.
0: Yeah. Love it, dude. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about coaching and training. And let's talk about the difference between the two, actually. I think that's important. What's what's, what's the difference between coaching and training?
1: Very, very simple. The difference between training and coaching is practice. Yeah. Point blank. If you're not practicing with your people, you're not coaching them. You would never call someone a coach if they didn't practice. You wouldn't call someone who just stood around on your team a coach. You'd call them a trainer because they don't practice. Right. So practice is what makes you a coach training. And then I'll talk about training and teaching because there's a difference there, too. Right. So you have coaching. That means there's practicing with feedback. You did it. I gave you feedback. You did it again. I gave you feedback. You did it again. I gave you feedback. That's coaching. Training is the sharing of knowledge with engagement. So I'm sharing information. I'm sharing knowledge with this engagement. Right. Like what would you do here? How would you do this? A lot of people confuse that with coaching. That's still not coaching. That's training, right? Teaching goes up one more level where I'm just sharing information. There's no engagement. There's no how would you, when would you, what would you change here? It's just straight up. And then you've got telling. Hey, Jason, on your next call, I need you to do this. Most managers confuse coaching with telling. Hey, Jason, listen to a couple of your calls. Like We keep hitting this objection. Do this on your next call. And oftentimes, the rep actually goes, oh, that's great. Awesome. I will. Not only was that not coaching, it wasn't training because there wasn't engagement. It wasn't even teaching because you didn't explain why. That is simply telling. Telling is not how you get people better. So if we wanted to use that example, like, hey, Jason, I listened to some of your calls. We're getting hit with this objection. And then we're, we're, we're clamming up. Okay, Here's a way I think we could handle that objection that would keep the conversation going. Here's why. We're bringing up their problem. We're making sure we're connecting the dots. We're leaning into some industry knowledge that we have. So if we handle it this way, it should allow us to continue the conversation. Does that, you follow me here? Like, you feel how that would work? Do you understand the impact that would have? No, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Awesome. So let's do this a couple times real quick. Hey, no, sorry. We we already used somebody. Do it. Oh, I loved it. Our tone was strong there. But remember, we want to end on a question. We said the statement. We forgot to end on a question. Let's do it again. We already used somebody. Now, in that same 10-minute interaction, I've taught, trained, and coached in a small 10-minute segment. This doesn't always need to be 30 minutes blocked on the calendar. Any interaction can turn into a coaching interaction as long as you're doing it with them and giving them feedback
0: yeah I love this. I really in the work that I do, I'm very focused on like, there needs to be a, a why what and how component to to what you're doing like you mm-hmm. literally use the word why well here's why you know it's like you said a lot of folks I listen to it's like straight just how use the permission based opener here's what you're gonna say and what I think happens when you do that is you completely rob the rep of any type of resourcefulness that they could have in like understanding a principle behind why something works so that they can make it their own. You know what I mean? So they're not like these copy paste robots.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no, There a little bit, right? So like, did you play sports or instruments at all growing up? Oh, I
0: play guitar and basketball. I played growing up.
1: Okay. All right. So we can use like basketball as an example. I don't necessarily need to explain to you why I want your elbow in. I can. But yeah. if I'm practicing with you, it's like, hey, like bring, bring your elbow in for, for me and bend your knees a little bit more. And then you do it and you see the result, you feel it. Yeah. So it isn't even always so much about, you know, sometimes even going into the why, because if you do it with them, that helps get it all going, right? Because it's funny, like the, I, I talk about this sometimes, you know, people can hate me for whatever. But it's like, you know, I don't want them to be robots. Honestly? Like if I'm being honest, honest, do you know how happy it would make me if people just did what you trained them to do, Jason? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. I'm not, sorry, like we're, we're close enough where I'm not going to let like the fodder, you know, the, the LinkedIn fodder of like, we don't want people, our, our people to be robots. I, I, I will fight that argument because yeah. 90% yeah. of what you teach them, they don't need to make their own. They need to get comfortable with it. Yeah, Because if they did what you taught, Jason, if they did what you taught, what would happen to their results?
0: Oh, I mean, especially the bottom 80% of people would be at least being able to hit quota. You know what I mean?
1: Done. By being a robot. Just by doing what they were told, they would see an improvement in success. The reason why most people don't do what they are actually told is because they don't get enough repetition at it to feel comfortable with it. So like I like the more and more I push back on this idea of like you know we don't want them to be robots. I was like, "Eh, I wish. But that's just not the world that we live in. You need to do the repetitions to make it feel automatic. That's the key to making it work.
0: Yeah. Let's dig into that. So that's an interesting perspective. So the buy-in then how do you work with managers and and get them to think about how to get someone bought into changing their behavior, into take the action, into do the thing that we're talking about, because that's the oh, it's it's uh it's so interesting. I mean you've done a lot of you know sales coaching and training outside of like your job and like I'm sure you see that too where it's like oh, fuck, dude, just do this, please. Like just try do it. like like, oh we don't want to be robots but just do it yes
1: we do like this is why like i saw a crazy article today on some stuff that google recently unlocked in terms of how far their ai is getting and if you're really honest with yourself sales is nothing but a really long if then javascript that we could script out 80 to 90 percent of it like it's going to get there eventually. but to sell somebody i just had this conversation with someone this morning where same idea, they, they were saying some kind of like social media fluff to me a little bit to try, you know, like, and I knew what they were trying to do, but not my style anymore, no. just to go with it. Like, you know, because what makes you a great salesperson is exactly why you won't be a great leader, right? Those are two totally different things. Really? And I was like, hey, Thank you. I was like, is it though? Let's talk about what it makes to be a great salesperson. Okay. Empathy, good listening, creative. Problem solving, proper discovery, pain and impact, selling, influence, follow-up, matching, mirroring. Tell me how that also doesn't make you a great leader. The problem is where most people apply those skills. But so the same idea, if I want to get someone bought into something, that's called sales. So so either people are going to tune out right now or this is actually going to blow (laughs) their – goddamn mind. If you wanted to sell something, the first step is outreach. Got to get in touch with them. Second step, qualification. Got to make sure they're qualified. That's called the hiring process. Third step, discovery. What is it they want? What are they trying to achieve? What are their goals? Fourth step, problem, pain, and impact. What problems are preventing them from getting there right now? What's the pain of them not hitting their goal? What's the impact of them not hitting their goal? What's the impact of them getting to their goal? Next step, demo. Demonstrate. Demonstrate what it is that you want them to do. Show them what good looks like but connecting it back to their goal. Next step, ask for the sale. Get commitment, follow up. It's the exact same process. So if I'm working with you one-to-one, I want to know what are your goals? What are your goals? Next step, are you achieving them right now? Because if you are, I'm not going to ask you to change. If you are achieving your goals right now, you're not going to change. It is quite literally that simple, qualified out. And as long as your goals are aligned with my goals, I'm not going to ask you to change. There's no reason. But if you're not hitting your goals, and again, just like good discovery, I'm getting you to say, well, no, I'm not making what I want to make. Okay, now so let's talk about some of the things that are causing that. Well, connect rate, convert, see how I'm getting back into the metrics. Look at the metrics. Let's look at what's causing it. If we could change this, what would happen to your goal, Jason? If we could change this, if we could get your connect rate up, what would happen to your goal? i would go this. Okay, so can we at least be willing to admit that what we're doing right now is causing this connect rate issue? Can we at least be willing to be like what we're doing right now isn't getting us the result that we want. Can we at least agree to that? Well, yeah, but it's the territory. Yeah, but I'm just saying like, is what we're doing right now getting you the result that you want, Jason? Well, no. Could we work on something to address that? It's the same process, man. People just don't yeah. do it.
0: I'm curious your take. I think some of it is laziness. Because it's a lot of work. You know, when you got like 10 reps with you, I think these managers are just like so exhausted emotionally. They just no. don't want to put the work in, dude. <laughs> no,
1: no, 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 no. So, literally, so actually, funny enough, y'all, I literally just did it live. Yeah. How long was that? How long was that? Because that's minutes.
0: literally how the conversation
1: would be. Yeah. Okay. That was not a 30-minute conversation. Yeah. That was a four-minute setup. Yeah right it actually doesn't take where where i and i give so i in in a unique position where i can give managers some grief for what they do because i've been there i've gone through it but i also blame their leaders because yeah. how many managers do you think were taught
0: what i just said taught oh except for one client none of the managers that i work with it's it's very clear that they haven't been taught you know right. um a lot of this stuff so and it's it's the yeah. they haven't been taught
1: which yeah. means they definitely haven't been trained, which means yeah. they sure as hell haven't been coached. Yeah. So I blame leadership just as much. I'm always going to put onus on both sides. They haven't been taught this stuff. That's why yeah. I'm kind of on the mission I'm on right now because for me, the light bulb moment was like, look, I can train sales reps all day long, but if their managers aren't good, yeah, it's not going to matter. And so that's why I'm so focused on coaching and training managers, directors, and VPs because that's where it actually funnels down to it. Because if you're training these reps on a certain tactic, but then their manager isn't coaching, isn't training, isn't reinforcing, it's all for naught, right? And so like, I want to get involved with the people like the managers and go like, okay, Jason's teaching y'all how to do this the right way. I'm going to teach you how to actually ingrain it into your people and coach your people and spot the issues with it. So I blame the VPs just as much, man, because no one's training these managers. And the reason why, by the way, is because no one trained the VP. No yeah. I'm training yeah. the VP either. This goes all the way up.
0: Yeah. Oh man. It's crazy. Why do you think that, companies are willing to spend so much money training the reps. You know what I mean? Like, where do you think the disconnect is where it's not like they're not already spending the money? Why? Cause you didn't do this when you were a VP, you know, like you didn't, you didn't do it like this. You didn't just bring someone in to just train your reps and like hands off job taken care of. You know what I mean? Why do companies do this, dude? I, uh, like, why do they do this? Why does this happen?
1: Because what else would they do?
0: Well, why don't don't they bring someone in to train their, their managers?
1: Because they weren't trained as managers.
0: Okay.
1: This, this is, so now we're getting into the juice juice of this, right? Because this is very systemic across the SaaS industry, but definitely in sales Mm -hmm. for whatever reason in sales, it is this, You get what I got type mindset. Oh yeah, I wasn't taught how to. And you see this on LinkedIn all day long. You hear it for the people you talk to. It's like, well, eventually they just got to figure it out. Yeah. What What other career operates that way?
0: Yeah. Could I I be? be
1: Could I? Could I apply to be a teacher? And they say, okay, here's a fourth grade classroom. Just figure it out. Could I go be a lawyer, a doctor, a nurse, a marketer? Shoot, most fast food restaurant managers get more training than SaaS sales managers do. Yeah, Like if you want to run a McDonald's, you got to go on site to a different location and it's like a four-week boot camp of how to run the restaurant. Like it's that intensive and then in sales, it's not. So it's like because the VP never got it. You don't think to do it. You never got it. You never got coached. So you don't think to then get coaching for your people. right? I do think and hope we start to see this shift where it's like, okay, you could train 100 reps and not the managers. Or you could train the 10 managers that run those 100 reps. Yeah. Where will you see a bigger impact? But also, too, truthfully, y'all can go Google this right now. Look up SaaS sales leadership training. If I look up sales training, how many things show up? And you know, this is your space. If yeah. I Google prospecting training, sales development training, how many results show up?
0: It's thousands, dude. There's, you,
1: There's thousands. You could probably yeah. name 10 to 15 competitors off the top of your head.
0: Yeah. Can
1: you name more than four sales leadership training programs?
0: yeah i mean there's a few i could name off the top of my head but not not more than three or four yeah right there's
1: like and i know what's out there right yeah and i have respect for the one like i i know matt very well at sassy i know lb very well at factor eight like i know what's out there they're trying to change the world too just like i am that's it that's where it ends yeah that's why I think it's it hasn't been there, and so people don't even think of it. But there's also this assumption because you are a top performing rep that you're going to be a manager, and it just all will work that way, and it just doesn't. Yeah, yeah,
0: I found the way to the managers is through the reps. In my experience, it's like phase one is let's train your reps, and it's like, oh yeah. By the way, you notice how most of your team is not doing a lot of the stuff that we talked about, even though we we talked as a leadership team every week, you know about mm-hmm. it. Um, Yeah, it's interesting to get your take on that, man, because, dude, it reminds me of just how the generations of parents are. I mean, like, you know, that's how a lot of parents are. It's like my parents are like, well, they don't think of stuff because they didn't get it. (laughs) And their parents didn't get it. It's like the same kind of thing. And what I'm hearing from you is it's really just kind of a theme around why don't we treat sales more like a profession? You know what I mean? Like, why don't we treat it more like a profession, like any of these other top-notch professions. And we talk about how awesome sales is yet. Like you said, someone running a McDonald's, a manager at a McDonald's gets more training than the typical SaaS sales manager.
1: I don't, I don't understand it. This doesn't, this doesn't sound mind-blowing to me.
0: Like,
1: train the leader of my peoples? Like that sentence should not rattle people. (laughs) That shouldn't be like, oh, because, you know, and this is what's interesting. It's fun to be on both sides of it because I've been on both sides of it because I look at it the other way. It's like to train the hundred reps first before the managers, I worry about that training being wasted because the managers couldn't reinforce it. The managers didn't get to be a part of it, right? Like I want them first. I want that. Like that's where, like, and I don't I would be curious. I'm like how much sales training you do to the managers. Yeah. Like, I would do that first. Give me your managers for three weeks. So I can train them first and get their feedback and get them involved. So then when you train the refs, now they're a part of that training, right? Now they're yeah. in it, right? They're they're with that process. But again, companies don't think that way. They're like, no, i just teach them all at the same time.
0: Yeah. Well they oh, so don't want, to, want to, to spend money that way. That's 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 what I think the problem is. For someone yeah. in my shoes is that uh I would like to do it that way, but companies don't want to pay for it that way. You know what I mean? They just don't want to do it, dude. Yeah. It's
1: I, uh I don't understand it. Give me some of these calls. I want to listen to some of these calls. Let me see if I can help you out with it. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> like it's
1: it's it's something where I believe the of uh, the you know back to WWKDA. I think there's a couple good pointed questions that if you could ask yeah. illuminate yeah. this. Like, okay, so to be clear, you want me to teach your reps without your managers being able to reinforce it. I just want to make sure I'm hearing that right because that's what's happening. I'm going to train your reps and the managers aren't going to be able to reinforce it. So actually, why don't we just do this? Just cut me the check straight up and I won't even train anybody. (laughs) Just, Just cut me the check. Just come and check. Just just send it to me, like, because that's what's going to yeah. happen. Is I'm going to do yeah. all this. The rest will be pumped up for three days, and then it's going to fall off because the manager doesn't know how to reinforce it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I want to just sort of last topic talk a little bit about the like the VP role a bit. Um, I think one of the best parts about what I do now is I get to work with some really talented VPs and. There are some folks. There's some very clear patterns, and some of the VPs that are very, very good at what they do. And there's some, the ones that are not so good. There's clear patterns there too. But I want your thoughts on like, one of the things that I see in the VPs that are really good is they could run a one-hour training on something and like with their team and have like hundreds of reps on there, and they would be super fucking jazzed to be on that call, and every rep's paying attention, they're engaged and Like these VPs, they know how to actually train. They're willing to get their their hands dirty and do the work. And they could train. That is very rare though. Like I'm imagining, like I was talking to my wife Sarah about this, and we're I was like, I'm gonna be interviewing Katie. I was like, I couldn't imagine being a rep at one of his companies where you have someone that you would actually be excited to hop on a training call with, like at your company, you know do you see this? Am I off here? Like, do you see this also where there's like a kind of a lack of a VP's ability to like get up in front of their team and actually teach them how to do something and people will be like excited, you know, about that?
1: Yeah. So funny enough, man, about a year into my role at, at patient pop, I actually got feedback saying, so like, you should probably start stepping out of those trainings a little bit more and someone Mm -hmm. else can run them. And I was like, but why though? Like, why, like, why wouldn't I want to coach and train my team? Like, I don't understand why I'm kind of a unique bird in this of like coaching and training my team on how to do things. Right. And so like, like, no, like it, you know, it's a couple hours of my week. So my last week there, I was leading trainings right, yeah. for the team and for the org. And it, it is rare for whatever reason. And, you know, then like it's passed off to enable it or it gets passed off to like a, a trainer or it just doesn't happen. So I don't know why I don't I don't understand why. Like to me, this like what else is actually a better use of my time? I got a hundred of my people on this call. And I'm sharing best practices on how to do things and keeping them engaged and keeping them like on things like, I don't know, dude. And it's funny, though, because my, my reps, though, and you know this, you know this to be true. You can tell your people something a 100 times and they hear it from someone else yep. and they go, oh, that's the craziest thing. And there yep. were a couple of moments like, y'all, do you, do you understand that <laughs> other companies pay me? And you are getting paid to learn from me. You are literally (laughs) getting paid to learn from me right now. Like, don't waste this. And, you know, it's it's just hilarious. Like, this was more on the SDR side than my AE side. The AE side tended to appreciate it more because they knew it was rarer. For SDR, it's your first sales gig. You don't know that that's not normal. Yeah, And so oftentimes I would get the reach out like after the fact, like after they went to a different company or after I've left, I've gotten a couple of messages like, yeah, like it's just, I guess just, I get it now. Like I get it. It's not the same. Like what you yeah. were doing was different. And so it's funny, man. I don't, I don't know why it is what it is, but that's it.
0: I have a hunch. Let me know what you think. I think they're afraid to do it because of their lack of presentation skills. Like dude, you're a world class speaker, man. Like you go like people invite you to speak at conferences and stuff. Like you've spent the time to build the skill to speak and be entertaining and you know how to put slides together, you know how to engage a group, like you've practiced and learned how to do all this stuff. Like okay. I think there's like some missing skill sets there that I think they are like afraid to do it. <laughs> so,
1: I, so I will ask you, what's funny, first of all, you know I make ugly slides, so let's not pretend that anybody made me any <laughs> special. All right. I put bullet points on a white page. So there's nothing to do with slides. Okay. But back full circle, what we're talking about. If you were a great salesperson, which a lot of VPs were,
0: mm-hmm.
1: wouldn't that imply you have the skill set to do that?
0: Yeah. That's why I'm saying a fear kind of thing,
1: you know? But your reason, your, your reason for fear was like, they don't know how to do it. I don't know that I'd buy that because you do know how to sell. You do know how to engage because you couldn't be a monotone, non-engaging, uninteresting salesperson.
0: Yeah. But the difference I think between selling to a small group of people on a zoom call versus getting up in front of your team of 200 you know, it's a, I mean, it's a bit of a different skill set, right? It's more of a public speaking, you know, kind of skill set.
1: I, I mean, I, well, what's interesting about that, especially more in Zoom. more I yeah. see, To me, I give less of an excuse via Zoom because on Zoom, you can only see 30 people anyway. So you are, for <laughs> example, to 30 people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see all 200. You yeah. know, like I see 30 people. That's what I can yeah. see in the gallery view. So I don't know, yeah. man. It's to me in life. I don't believe about, you know, there's no such thing as time. It's all priorities. There's no such thing about like skill set. It's a priority. Either you develop the skill or you don't. But at the same time, and you know this too. Okay. So you don't have this skill. Are you hiring someone that does? Yeah. Like what I don't understand is why you don't have simply four, 400 K retainers a year to work with a company ongoing. Mm-hmm. Because you can do what we're just talking about. Yeah, they bring you in for a short period of time. They bring you in at a smaller scale. Like you, like you should literally have five clients and be making two million a year straight cash just for you to work with them for the year. Because you can do that. You would then be my right hand man if I can't. If I understood most yeah. VPs, I don't think it's a can't. It's that they don't understand the value. Yeah, back to it of like they didn't get that type of training. Yeah. Their VP didn't stand in front of them and teach them anything. Yeah. So why should they? I got a board meeting to prep for.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Good conversation, dude. Let's uh I got three uh three rapid fire questions for you, right? Yeah. Let's go. All right, dude. I got the classic. Outbound. If you had to choose between phone, email, and social, what do you pick and why?
1: Email. Oh really? Email. I want to say video, but like email. Like, because video is not a channel, it's a tool. Yeah. I would say email.
0: Interesting. So what's something you believe about leadership that most would disagree with?
1: Ooh, and you kind of hinted at this before a little bit. I don't believe leaders should do their people's jobs. I don't believe sales leaders should be stepping in and closing deals. You can help close a deal, but that to me is not leadership, right? One of my favorite quotes on leadership, you said a very similar version of it the strength of the leader can be the weakness of the team i think about that all the time of like where are my strengths creating a weakness in the team so that's one. i don't believe sales leaders should be stepping in that often to close deals for their for their people
0: so knowing what you know now what advice would you give yourself as a rookie sales leader
1: Okay, so looking looking back, I got three core things I'd give as like the parting advice. So the first is kind of what we talked about from the beginning. I am not you, you are not me, we are not them, they are not us. You are not trying to create mini yous. It doesn't work that way, right? Like you need to find out what matters to them. And which leads to the next part is getting to understand your people better on what motivates them. What are their goals, professional and personal? Your job as the leader is to connect those dots right? What are their goals professionally? What do they want to make? What titles do they want? What skills do they want to develop? And then what does that allow them to do personally? Is that get the home, get the car, take the travel, buy the ring for, for the, the missus or the mister, like whatever it is, like understand their personal motivations because you need that to drive change. And then the third would be just document things earlier. What does good look like? Okay. This is the best rep. What do they do? Document it. Okay. You were the best rep. Great. Document it. What did you do? How did you run the calls? What did you say? What did you get the prospect to say? And document those things earlier because as you grow, you're hiring people and you got to reteach the same things. Document it. You lead a great training, record it so you can share it. So those would be my biggest, man, is understand you don't make many use. People only change for their reasons. So you need to find out their reasons and then document what
0: good looks like early and often. Oh, dude, this has been great, man. It's been good to have you on. Can you let us know where can people go to connect with you, learn more about what you're up to? You got a podcast, you get all kinds of goodies.
1: Hop over to my podcast, right? Live better, sell better. And you can follow me on LinkedIn. I'm at the stupid connection request limit right now. So I can't take too many more connections, but definitely follow me on LinkedIn and hop over to my podcast, live better, sell better. That's it, my man.